And I'm going to start with a challenge for you. The challenge is each week, read the entire book of Galatians. Before each Sunday, read it. It won't take you long in one sitting. I'm sure you can fit in 30 minutes in your week. If it takes you longer than that, well, I'm sorry, maybe you're a bit slower reader than others. But six chapters, it's only a couple of pages, depending on the size of the print in your Bible, and it won't take you very long at all. And it'll be wonderful if you read it each week before Sunday, and we read it in context then, the whole lot. And so any time we look at an individual verse or a short passage from the book, we will understand it in the context of the whole letter. Because that's how the first church in Galatia would have read the letter from Paul in the one sitting and over and over again in their services. And it's a wonderful book. And as you read it, there'll be some familiar Bible verses that you have perhaps seen on little tracks or maybe someone has written them on a card for you at some point. Some of them you'll know quite well. It's one of the places in the New Testament where Paul says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. That's in Galatians 5 verse 14. Help to carry one another's burdens. That's often quoted when we are comforting each other or when we're reminding each other about the importance of supporting brothers and sisters in the faith. And most of us will remember this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Perhaps you learnt that as a song, as a child. And sometimes you've wondered, oh, where are the fruits of the Spirit found? Well, they're in the book of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. What a wonderful statement that is. As we get to that part in our sermon series, I'm sure we'll spend a fair bit of time. And this one, which is perhaps not so well known, but we heard in our reading this morning. And this is essentially what the whole book of Galatians is about, where Paul says, I'm shocked you're leaving the gospel of grace for a different gospel. Basically, the message of the book of Galatians. I am shocked, says Paul to the churches, that you are leaving the gospel of grace for a different gospel. And we'll get into that in a short moment. But for just a little bit of brief background, it was hard to find a a map that showed where these churches were. But if you know your geography and you know Europe and North Africa a little bit. England's up here in case anyone's wondering. And Africa obviously in the Middle East starts over here. And this red bit is where the churches in Galatia were. And there are still remnants of those churches. But here's another geography quiz for you. Which country is that now today? Turkey. Yes, you're right. So Galatia is where Turkey is now, modern day Turkey. So that's where Paul went on his missionary journey. To give you a bit of an idea, 
Jerusalem down here and he travelled all the way by sea as well as by land and up and around this area. And so being that part of the world, this was a time when many Jews had already been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire and the further away they were from Israel, the more they were mingling with other cultures. And so the churches in Galatia were made up, the first Christians in Galatia were made up of not just Jewish converts to Christianity but also the pagans who followed as well. So they were already a multicultural group to begin with. And the main point, Paul, when he preached, is the same when he writes a letter to them years after he has been there and churches have begun. And another way of summing up the letter, if you like, and I thought this image is rather good because they've designed it as a postcard. Beloved church, you have freedom in Christ. Don't let anyone tell you a different story. Love, Paul. Again, another wonderful, succinct way of summing up what the book of Galatians is all about. Dear church, you have freedom in Christ. Don't let anyone tell you a different story. And that's why he says, I can't believe. That's why he says, I am shocked that you have given up the gospel of grace for a different gospel. Don't believe something different. What I have told you is the gospel. What I have told you is the truth. And that's why in the letter he defends himself and says, this message was not for me. I didn't make it up. This gospel has come from God. This gospel has come from Christ. And because it's from God, because it's from Christ, you know that you are truly free. Because on your own, you'll never be free. And that's essentially the gospel. Paul is fighting for the gospel. In his ministry, in his letter to the churches in Galatia. And gospel simply means good news. I want to remind you of the good news, Paul says. In other words, our entire Christian faith, what it's built on, is the gospel, is the good news. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach the good news. What good news? The good news that you are free in Christ. The good news that your sins are forgiven on the account of his death. The good news is that you have the gift of eternal life because Christ is risen from the dead. Have we, have you ever stopped to think and really appreciate the fact that the heart of our faith, the heart of Christianity, is good news. It's wonderful news. In fact, the Christian faith, Christianity, is really the only faith, the only religion that can make that claim that it's based on good news. Other faiths can claim to offer good news but they can all be summarised by saying, obey God and he will reward you. Or 
do this, follow these principles and you will receive blessing. Where's the good news in that? It's basically just saying, do it yourself. Work hard. Achieve. Who can obey God as God wants to be obeyed? How can we ever know that we have obeyed him enough in order to gain reward? That is not good news. That's questionable news at best. And at its worst, it's terrible news. And that's what the people of Galatia were reverting to. Paul had arrived and he'd preached the gospel and he'd proclaimed and he'd shared with them the good news, the gospel. Jesus Christ has obeyed God perfectly in your place. He has died to pay for all your sins so that you might have eternal life. Simply believe this truth and you will be saved. That's good news. And so even just the fact that Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia, the fact that it exists shows how much Paul valued the gospel and shows how much he loved the people that he didn't want them to not know it and to walk away from it. Paul had done his missionary journey, his first missionary journey, in which he had reached those places. But at each city in which he stopped, there were not only people who accepted his message, but there were also people who violently opposed it. And we can read about that in the book of Acts. It tells us that at the first city, many Gentiles believed Paul's message, but then it describes them as women of high standing and the leading men persecuted Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region, probably by force. But they went there. They shared the good news. At the second city, a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed Paul's message, but the Jews who refused to believe poisoned the minds of the believers against Paul and Barnabas. So they trashed his reputation and said nasty things about him. They divided the city to such an extent that there was a plot among the unbelievers to mistreat and stone Paul and Barnabas. So they fled. At the third city, they went from one extreme to another. Paul heals a man who was lame from birth, which at first causes the masses to think that Paul and Barnabas are gods and they begin to worship them. It was all they could do to keep the crowds from sacrificing to them. But then some unbelieving Jews showed up from the first two places they had visited and they won the crowd over to them. And suddenly they're hurling stones at Paul to the point that they dragged him outside the city thinking that he was dead. So he was beaten within an inch of his life. But he wasn't dead. He eventually got up and went back into the city. And the next day he and Barnabas move on to the fourth city. And this is the only city in which they win a large number of disciples without any persecution to speak of. And afterwards they return to their home in Antioch. So long trip between many countries. But no sooner have they arrived back home than they hear about some Jewish people who had supposedly become believers who were teaching, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. 
wouldn't you just feel deflated at that? After all that you've been through, along comes somebody else who says, if you obey all these rules, you'll be saved. And in specifically, here they're talking about circumcision and keeping the Sabbath and a few other of the major traditions and laws of the Jewish people. Now, if you were Paul, after you had gone through all of that trouble, even coming within an inch of death, and the people you now hear are going back to their old ways and old thinking that I can do it on my own. If I do this, I'll be saved. Would you even bother? Would it be worth it to try again? Would it be worth it to proclaim the message once more? Well, for Paul it wasn't even a question. The gospel is at stake. Freedom is at stake. And the gospel is a message that is too good to be compromised by anyone or anything. And so he writes this letter. That's the context. Paul is so concerned about the gospel because he is concerned about the people. And that's one of the things that we take from reading the book of Galatians. What other news can give assurance like this one? Jesus Christ has set you free. As soon as you add any strings, no matter how short or long, as soon as you add any conditions, that assurance is taken away. And it no longer rests on the work of Jesus, which is invaluable. It now rests on you or some other thing, which is fallible. God is robbed of his glory. There are some today who will associate themselves with the name of Jesus and they will say, yes, you need to believe in Jesus. But then they undermine what that means when they say that Jesus set us a good example, a good example of obedience that we need to follow in order to be saved. (coughs) So if what we are to believe about Jesus is that he set us a perfect example that we must follow for obtaining eternal life, how is that good news? None of us can be perfect. And you will always be in doubt. In the days of the Galatians, there were people that said, sacrifice animals, sacrifice things. There were those that said, meditate, seek the path of enlightenment. That's still around today, isn't it? There are those that say, do what makes you feel good. But ask yourself this question. When have you sacrificed enough? When have you meditated enough? When have all your decisions made you completely happy? And if you don't ask yourself that question, the devil will. And he'll whisper it in your ear and perhaps even suggest and say, you don't believe hard enough. 
Were you honest when you made your decision? There's no assurance down that path and there's no glory for God who made us in order to glorify him. So if we think there is assurance in another way, that is even worse. If we ever think that we have actually earned something from God, then we are forgetting that God is holy, that he does not demand the pretty good, he demands perfection. And that's why as we'll read in the book of Galatians, Paul refers to himself when he talks about himself as being one abnormally born and reminding the people, who, who was Paul? This is quite interesting. The last time I preached here, I happened to be talking about Paul as well. You might recall we talked about uh, the conversion, Saul to Paul. And we remember who Paul was before Christ visited him. And Paul makes reference to that as a reminder that if there was anybody who could have made it into heaven by his own efforts, it was going to be him. But even he could not do that. There is no other gospel, says Paul, because there is no other message that offers us sure comfort like this one. And that's why Martin Luther was so enamoured with the book of Galatians. Because during his struggles, before he, before the gospel was truly revealed to him through the reading of the scriptures, he thought the way to God, the way to assurance, the way to know that there is hope was through what he did. And he was tormented because he was always worried that he had never done enough. But when he realised, that's true, I haven't done enough. But when he realised that it's all been done for me by Christ, then he found joy, then he found peace, then he found inspiration to be able to serve others. I'd like to finish with the analogy of the wedding ring. We talk about freedom in Galatians and we are told it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free to serve. Free to love. The wedding ring is a wonderful reminder that a person who is free to choose who they want to marry, to do whatever they like, in in essence, decides to bind themselves freely to another. And so then there are things that they choose that they will not do and there are things that they choose they will do in order to love and serve the other person. And that's the symbolism of the single band of the wedding ring. And that's also Paul's message in the book of Galatians when he starts talking about freedom from the law and the only law left is the law of love. It's the law in the sense that we bind ourselves freely to be able to love and serve others because God has loved and served us. We'll do that.
So what was my challenge for next Sunday? Can you fit in 30 minutes to read all six chapters of the book of Galatians? And then next week, can you fit it in again? You'll, you'll know the book off by heart by the time we get through the series. And that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. Because you will hear good news each and every time you read the book of Galatians. You will be reminded of your freedom. You'll be reminded that there is no other gospel. And you'll be inspired and you'll be encouraged to cling to that wonderful good news that we are truly free through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed set us free through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that the heart of our faith is that wonderful good news. We pray that it may always be good news to us and to all people, that we would never abandon and follow a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. In the name of Christ, Amen.